0: Beloved listener, the second article of the Apostles' Creed speaks about Jesus Christ. We read in this article, and in Jesus Christ, His only begotten Son, our Lord. With these words, the Christian confesses not only that Jesus is the Son of God, but also that Jesus is His Lord. In Matthew twenty-two, is spoken of a group of Pharisees. That approached Jesus with a question, saying, "Master, which is the great commandment in the law?" They wanted to know which of the ten commandments was most important. Since the Pharisees and scribes were preoccupied with such questions, they confronted Jesus and demanded that he would designate one of the ten commandments as being most important. Jesus's response to their question was, "You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your might. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it: You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets." Matthew 22, verse 37 to 40. What an extraordinary answer. It expresses great wisdom and exceptional knowledge of Scripture. Jesus did not say the first commandment or the tenth commandment is the most important commandment. He pointed at the very heart of the law, namely, love to God and the neighbor. Love is the fulfillment of the law. They could have known this. For Moses had already taught that the law mandates love to God, saying, "And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might." (Deuteronomy 6:5) After that, Jesus countered them by asking the Pharisees also a question. He asked them, "What think ye of Christ? Who son is he?" They replied, The Son of David. The answer to this question was well known. Every Jew knew that the Messiah will be a descendant of David. Jesus then confronted them with a dilemma, saying, How then does David in spirit call him Lord? saying The Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou on my right hand. Till I make your enemies your footstool? These words these words are found in Psalm 110. There David speaks of the Messiah, both as his son and as his Lord. In light of David's reference to the Messiah, Jesus then asked the Pharisees, If David then call him Lord, how is he his son? They did not know how to answer this question. We also cannot comprehend how the Messiah can simultaneously be the Son of David and David's God and Lord. There is only one satisfactory answer. The Messiah is both. He is a descendant of David as to his human nature, and he is the Son of God as to his divine nature. Jesus is God and man. Attacked by heresies who denied that Jesus was the eternal Son of the eternal God, the early Church confessed about Jesus in the Nicene Creed in the year 325: the only-begotten Son of God, begotten of the Father before all worlds, God of God, Light of Light, very God of very God, begotten not made, being of one substance is the father by whom all things were made. Jesus is truly God and truly man. Jesus in his human nature is flesh and blood of the virgin Mary. As is true for all men, he was born of a woman and grew up from childhood to adulthood. Jesus experienced hunger and thirst, sorrow and joy, fatigue and pain, temptation, suffering and death. Jesus was truly man. The Bible tells us that he became like unto us in all things. Wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren. Hebrews 2, verse 17. There was but one thing in which he differed from us. He knew no sin. Hebrews 4, verse 15 says, He was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Jesus could challenge his enemies by saying, "Which of you can me of sin?" How delighted they would have been if they have could charged him with being a thief, fornicator, or liar. However, they could not accuse him of one single sin. Jesus is a historical person, a man of flesh and blood. Regarding this historical Jesus, a man of flesh and blood left during the first year of our calendar. The early Christian church confesses in the Apostles Creed that he is God's only begotten Son. The child Jesus who grew up in Nazareth, the man Jesus who preached the gospel of the kingdom of God, who went about doing good, healed the sick, raised up the dead, died on the cross of Calvary, is the Son of God. He is God and man united in one person, Emmanuel, God with us. Why does the Christian believe this? We believe this not because we can comprehend it, but rather because the Bible teaches it. The Old Testament contains prophecies regarding the divinity of the Messiah. In Micah's well-known prophecy, the Messiah is referred to as the person whose being is from eternity, whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. The prophecy of Isaiah speaks of the Messiah as the one whose name is wonderful, counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, Isaiah 9:6. These names are all applicable only to God. The New Testament yields abundant proof of Jesus' divinity. God the Father spoke from heaven after Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist, saying, "This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased." The Apostle John testifies of Jesus' saying, "And the Word was made flesh, and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Paul declares Jesus to be the Son of God with power, according to the Spirit of Holiness, by the resurrection from the dead, that is, Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 1, verse 4. Jesus himself frequently testified publicly that he was the Son of God. When he stood before the Sanhedrin, the high priest put Jesus Jesus under oath, and said to him, I adjure thee by the living God that you tell us whether you are the Christ, the Son of God. And what was Jesus' answer? He replied, You have said, Nevertheless, I say unto you, hereafter shall ye see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power, and coming in the clouds of heaven. When the high priest heard this answer, he rent his high priestly garment in utter dismay, and said, He has spoken blasphemy. What further need have your witnesses? Matthew twenty six, verse sixty five. He clearly understood that Jesus claimed to be the blessed Son of Man. The Messiah and the eternal Son of God, of whom Daniel had spoken, I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven. Daniel 7 verse 13. After Jesus had spoken these words, he was condemned to death by the Sanhedrin, because he affirmed himself to be the Son of God. Finally. The many miracles and works he performed testify of Jesus' divinity. He did works that only God can perform. Upon having come the wind and the sea by his omnipotent words, the disciples said in amazement, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? Mark 4. They were deeply convinced of Jesus' divinity and therefore confessed, We believe and are sure that you are that Christ, the Son of the Living God. John 6, verse 69. The apostles had in their ministry many struggles, doubts, and fears. They often had to say with Paul, Without were fightings, within were fears. 2 Corinthians 7, verse 5 but they never doubted that Jesus was divine. They knew him to be the son of God. Jesus is very God and very man. The early church articulated this by saying vero deo, vero homo. The Bible repeatedly refers to Jesus as the only begotten son of God. God's love for the lost world was made manifest in the giving of His only begotten Son to be the redeemer and saviour of the lost. In John 3 we hear Jesus saying to Nicodemus, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Therefore the Apostles Creed confesses that Jesus Christ is God's only begotten Son. Jesus is called the only begotten Son of God, albeit that believers are also said to be the children, the sons and daughters of God. There is a nevertheless a profound difference between the sonship of Jesus and that of believers. Believers for Christ's sake have become the sons of God by way of adoption. However, Jesus is the natural son of God. He is of the same essence as God, being the only begotten son of God. In this sense, God has only one son. Jesus is therefore always referred to as the only begotten son of God. Thus, Jesus is the unique Son of God and has a unique relationship with God the Father. To the Jews, he declared, The Father and I are one. John 10, verse 30, thereby declaring Himself to be equal with the Father. Jesus spoke of God as his Father in a very unique sense. He called him his Abba, the name whereby little children In the Aramic language, did call their father. We can say that Jesus called God his own daddy. The Pharisees, scribes, and elders of Israel understood very well what was Jesus thereby saying. We read in John 5:18. Therefore, the Jews sought the more to kill him, because he not only had broken the Sabbath, but said also that God was his own father. Making himself equal with God. Jesus would refer to God as his own Father, that is, as his personal and natural father. The Bible uses the word begotten. As the Son Jesus is begotten of God, he is not create, he is not the created Son of God, but a generated Son of God, never having been created, but eternally begotten of the Father. These are important expressions and qualifications. The heavens and the earth, men and angels, animals and plants, and all things visible and invisible have been created by God. The Son, however, has neither been created nor made. Thus was it never shown that the eternal Son of God was not with the Father. And thus that the Son of God did not yet exist. One could easily be inclined inclined to think so. The scriptures, however, speak of the Son being begotten of the Father in the present tense, and thus in connection with God's everlasting existence. The Father is eternally engaged in generating or begetting his son without there being a beginning. Progression of time or conclusion. It is an eternal, and never ending begetting. Jesus Himself inf- affirmed this by saying, "For as the Father has life in Himself, so has He given to the Son to have life in Himself." John 5, verse 26. Thus, from, e- thus from all eternity, the Father communicates His identical nature to His Son. Jesus declares himself and his father to be one in the true sense of the word. They are one as to their godhead, eternity, power, and glory. The Son is truly God together with the Father and the Holy Spirit. Therefore we believe based on the Bible that Jesus is the only begotten Son of God. This does not mean that we can comprehend this eternal generation of the Son by the Father. It merely means that we believe what the Bible teaches, namely, that Jesus is the only and natural Son of the Father. God has many adopted children, but He has only one begotten Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord albeit that we cannot comprehend the eternal generation of the Son by the Father. Nevertheless, the confession that Jesus is the only begotten Son of God is of utmost importance. Salvation is at stake here, for if Christ be not truly God, we are not saved, for only a Savior who is truly God can save us. During the apostolic period, Heretics already denied the divinity of Christ. They attempted to arrive at a rational explanation why the Bible refers to Jesus as the only begotten Son of God. They could not explain with their philosophies why Jesus is God and man, and therefore they did not want to accept that. Jesus is truly God and truly man. We already observe this in the epistles of the Apostle John. All who deny either that Jesus is the Son of God or that Jesus, the Son of God, became man, are designated by John as the Antichrist. He writes in 1 John verse 4, verse 3, and every spirit that confesses that, that Jesus Christ came in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof you have heard that it should come and even now already is in the world. A certain Arius born around 250 after Christ was a notorious heretic during the early history of Christianity, who concluded that Jesus was the most important of all creatures, but not the eternal son of the eternal God. It caused a lot of unrest and strife in the Christian church. Others thought that the name Son of God must be viewed as a honorary title rather than being taken literally. Islam believes that Jesus was indeed a prophet, but it rejects the notion that he is God's Son. They believe that Allah is alone and without any person. Being co-equal with him, and there's also that he has no son. Though Jehovah's Witnesses designate Jesus as a supreme example and the superior witness of Jehovah, they do not acknowledge Him to be God. He is merely the one who proclaims God's message. However, at the baptism of Jesus, God declared audibly from heaven: Thou art my beloved Son. Indeed, I am well pleased. Modern theologians also deny that Jesus is the Son of God. They consider him to be the greatest Jew, a nobleman, a humanist, or a role model for neighborly love, but not the Son of God. There are also quite a few religious factions who deny the biblical testimony that Jesus is the only begotten Son of God. What is actually at stake here? Why is the confession that Jesus is the only begotten son of God so significant? The answer is that if Jesus is not truly God, then there is no Emmanuel God with us, then the incarnation of God's Son did not occur and Jesus would be no more than a mere man. Though he might be an extraordinary man, but if Jesus is not truly God, he is not God manifest in the flesh, as Paul states in 1 Timothy 3:16. Then it would also not be true what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5:19: "God was in Christ reconciling the world into Himself." We would then neither be reconciled to God at all, nor redeemed by God. If Jesus would not be truly God, the resurrection would have would merely be the resurrection of a mere man rather than the resurrection of the divine Redeemer, Jesus Christ, who died for our sins and was raised again for our justification. Romans 4 verse 25. In short, if Jesus were not the Son of God who suffered and died in our place, Arose from the dead and is now seated at God's right hand, our hope would be a delusion. We would then have trusted in a mere man for our salvation. Our worship of Jesus would then be ranked idolatry, for we would be rendering divine worship to a mere man. But thanks be to God. God Himself in His Son Jesus Christ. Has come into this world to rescue sinners from eternal destruction. Jesus came forth from the Father. He is God's only begotten Son. Why else would the Bible refer to God as Father if He does not have a Son? Our Saviour is the only begotten Son of God. The Christian confesses also that he believes in Jesus Christ, our Lord. In this confession, we encounter the three preeminent names of our redeemer namely Jesus Christ and Lord the redeemer's personal name is Jesus that is savior the angel gabriel said to mary and behold thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and thou shalt call his name jesus the name jesus means jehovah saves the name jesus reveals who Jesus is, namely the Savior, who came into the world to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus is also called the Christ, that is, the anointed one. The Hebrew equivalent is Messiah. Andrew told his brother Simon, we have found, we have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. When we confess that Jesus is the Christ, we ascribe to Him all that the Old Testament heralded of God's Messiah. The apostles in their preaching continually proved from the Old Testament that Jesus is the Christ, the promised Messiah. Acts seventeen tells us what the custom was, which the apostle followed in their preaching in the Jewish synagogue. Then Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the Scriptures, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead, and that this Jesus whom I preach unto you, is Christ. Jesus is the Christ means he is the anointed one. During the Old Testament, the prophets, priests, and kings were anointed with holy oil. This signified that God had called them to their office, and it implied the promise that God would equip them for their work. Jesus has been anointed by God to be prophet, priest, and king. To that end He was anointed with the Holy Spirit. Matthew tells us what John the Baptist saw, after Jesus had been baptized by him. And lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting up him. It had been prophesied that the Messiah would be anointed with the Holy Spirit. In Isaiah 61, the Messiah says, "The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord When Jesus read this portion from Isaiah in the synagogue of Nazareth he said this day is this scripture fulfilled In your ears, Luke 4, verse 21. Thereby Jesus designated himself to be the promised Messiah. Jesus was gifted and empowered by the Holy Spirit to preach and to perform miracles, but not in the same measure as, for example, the prophet Elijah. Jesus has a spirit without measure. John 3, verse 34 says, for God giveth not the spirit by measure unto him. In the home of Cornelius, the centurion, Peter declared that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. Acts 10 verse 38. Jesus is Gods anointed one, the Messiah, and in him is fulfilled, and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The Spirit of Wisdom and Understanding, the Spirit of Counsel and Might, the Spirit of Knowledge and of the Fear of the Lord, Isaiah 11, verse 2. Jesus is also called Lord, that is, possessor, owner, or master. This title was used in Bible times for a slave owner. It is synonymous with the word master. And thus a title that is that is expressive of possession and authority. God calls himself the Lord and possessor of Israel. When Moses demanded of Pharaoh that the word that he would set Israel free, he said to Pharaoh, "Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go." God referred to himself. As Israel's Lord, and expressed his exclusive claim upon the people of Israel. Already at his birth the angels enunciated that Jesus is Christ and Lord. The angels said to the shepherds, For unto you is born this day in the city of David the Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Particularly following, following his resurrection. Jesus is referred to as Lord. Peter said on the day of Pentecost, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made that same Jesus whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. By raising Jesus from the dead, God demonstrated who Jesus was, namely, Lord and Messiah. Thomas therefore confessed of Jesus. My Lord and my God. The title Lord is expressive of power and dominion. The Apostle says, For this end Christ both died and rose and revived, that he might be Lord, both of the dead and living. Romans 14, verse 9. Jesus possesses authority. Jesus said to his disciples, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. The day will come that all creatures will bow before Him and confess Him to be Lord. At the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, of things in heaven and things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Philippians 2. Most importantly Jesus is the lord of his church. He has purchased his church and delivered her from the power of sin and satan thereby establishing her, her to be his possession. It is said of the believers for as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation Received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. 1 Peter 1 He ransomed his people from hell with his blood. The elect were the reward upon Jesus' labors. It was prophesied in Isaiah 53: He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. Thus Jesus became both Lord and possessor of his church. He paid the price for her redemption on Golgotha. Not only did he redeem his people by his blood, but he is also actively engaged in delivering them from the powers of sin and Satan by the renewing ministry of the Holy Spirit. We think ourselves to be free, but in reality we are slaves. In Adam's fall, all men have come under the power and dominion of Satan. Rather than lords, we have become slaves. We are enslaved to our sins even more as a drugs addict. The Jews boasted of the fact that they were Abraham's descendants and had never been slaves. Jesus responded, however, by saying, Verily, verily I say unto you, Whosoever commits sin is a servant of sin, John 8:34. Sin and slaves. Sin renders us not only to be its slaves, but also subjects us to the cruel bondage of the devil. Sin is a chain by which the devil binds us. Sin has brought us under Satan's cruel dominion. Jesus delivers men from this slavery. This is the glory of Christianity. It sets sinners free from the dominion of sin and Satan. It makes them a new man. God's children have been delivered from the power of darkness. They have been translated into another kingdom. Colossians 1:13 says, "For he has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son." Therefore the Christians call Jesus their Lord. God has delivered each of them from the power of sin and Satan by regenerating and renewing them by the Holy Spirit. He finds them often wandering far from God, fulfilling the desire of the flesh, blinded by Satan and without God in the world. But so did the apostle write, God who is rich in mercy. For His great love, whereby He loved us, has quickened us with Christ. By grace you are saved. When God converts sinners, He breaks the dominion of sin dwelling within them, and pours forth His love into their hearts. Consequently, they will, with a godly sorrow, bid farewell to all former sins and evil ways, and they will begin to serve God in newness of spirit as said in Romans 7 verse 6. Jesus then ascends the throne of our hearts and will incline us to embrace Him willingly as Lord and Master. We will then have a new Lord and a new Master. Before being saved, the devil was our Lord and Master. But now Jesus is our Lord and Master. God's children wholeheartedly Concur with the people of Israel, when after they had been delivered from Babylon, said, "O Lord, our, our God, other lords besides you have had dominion over us, but by you only will we make mention of your name." Isaiah 26. Jesus, the Good Shepherd, sought them when a stranger wandering from the fold of God, he sought and he found them. And made them his willing subjects. This creates a blessed bond between Christ and the believing soul, a bond that never will be broken, a body cemented together by love. It is a sacred union, a bond of sovereign grace that never will be rent in twain. It makes the believers and Christ one body. It is noteworthy that the apostles creed in confessing that Jesus is Lord does not speak of the Lord but rather of our Lord. The Christian believes in Jesus Christ our Lord. The Christian does not merely acknowledge that Jesus is a Lord but rather that he is his or her Lord. This expresses amazement and gratitude. The Christian may know himself to have, to have received a new Lord, and new Master. The Christian confesses regarding Jesus, he is my Lord. What think ye of Christ? J- Jesus posed this question to his disciples. Upon having heard what men thought of him, he asked his disciples very pointedly, but whom say ye that I am? Matthew 16, verse 15. The question is: who is Jesus for you? Has He become indispensable and precious to you? Is your heart knitted with Him? The Jesus who saves is not merely the Jesus we confess with our lips. The Jesus who saves me is the Jesus who dwells in my heart by faith. Peter says concerning believers, unto you therefore which believe He is precious. Only a true faith, a faith of the heart unites with Christ. True faith is known by accepting the whole Christ. It accepts Jesus not only as his Savior, but also as His Lord. How important it is to recognize that upon Embrace Jesus as our Savior. We also embrace Him as our Lord. You cannot have Christ for your Savior unless you have Him as your Lord. The complete Christ must be embraced. A true believer will not embrace Jesus merely to be delivered from hell and damnation. He or she will also embrace Him as King to be governed by Him. And will manifest this by a new walk of life. Jesus said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but who does the will of my Father in heaven. He even spoke that on the day of his return, many will say, Lord, Lord! And then will I declare to them, I never knew you, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. When we accept Christ as Savior, we also accept Him as our Lord and King to rule over us. Jesus taught, wherefore by their fruits ye shall know them. Matthew 7, verse 20.